There are two possible scenarios. One is somebody who is trying to accumulate some degree of money, probably in a non-IRA situation where they want to make continued contributions. So a non-qualified account. And grow money in a way that's not going to have a tax liability to them. Probably somebody who is self-employed or not part of a, of a 401k plan. So maybe they want to put 40 or $50,000 a year into it. Other scenario would be somebody who's sitting on a lump sum of money. They need some sort of income guarantee or they want some sort of income guarantee as part of their retirement plan. Over 56% of Americans don't feel like they're on track to retire comfortably. And it's no surprise. Retiring with confidence is not as simple as it used to be. That's why each week we talk about the many challenges of modern retirement and share some of the best strategies for overcoming each and every one. So that you can make sure you're putting your hard-earned savings towards the retirement of your dreams. I'm Brandon. And I'm Brantley. Welcome to Retire With Confidence. For more, be sure to visit retirewithconfidencenow.com. Hey, welcome back. It's the Retire With Confidence podcast. Today, we're going to talk about variable annuities. In fact, we're going to give you our 101 class on variable we are. annuities. You will leave here understanding just a little bit more than you know already. <laughs> That's right. That is correct. Do you want to define a variable <laughs> yeah. annuity? That's probably a good place to start. I think that's number one on our list. Yeah. We're not going to ever give you textbook definitions on anything. So No, no. We know a little more than that to be able yeah. to, to give you some insight. So variable annuities are annuity products that take your money and invest it in the market, right. essentially. And annuities are insurance contracts. Yes. So traditionally speaking, when you, have, when you buy an annuity, you pay what's called a premium with an annuity. And that money on a, on a, fixed annuity, which would be the other category, would generally sit inside a, a, an account with the insurance company that earns some sort of interest rate. Variable annuities take the money and they put it in what is essentially a, a mutual fund. Mm -hmm. They call them separate accounts. Yeah, that has a special name in the insurance world. It is a, a mutual fund that has been specifically designed for a, an insurance product. I say specifically like it's special um, for whatever reason. <laughs> I was going to say they're basically just clones of yes. actual mutual funds that you yep. could buy. <laughs> for whatever reason, the investment industry decided that it can't be the same mutual fund that's over here. It's got to be a different one that's, that's comprised of the same components. And we call it something else. And that so, way we can charge more for it. So Yeah, that's what uh, separate accounts are. A lot like your 401k or something like that, you're going to have a menu of options you can choose from to invest the money. You decide how that happens. The big thing to understand here is that with a variable annuity, you are invested in the market. You can lose money just as easily as you can gain money because right. you are buying shares of this, this fund inside the variable annuity. The idea here is with a variable annuity, you may be able to achieve a higher rate of return than would be possible on a normal uh, fixed interest rate annuity. That's the expectation. That's yep. why you would, would choose a variable annuity. Now, we can't say with, with high, high certainty that it will always be the case that your rate of return on a variable annuity will be higher. But that is at least the, from the brochure page um, with the smiling yeah. old people sitting next to the, the young person sliding a piece of paper in their direction with a beaming look on their face for whatever reason, that's, that's what the brochure says. You could go work for a life insurance company marketing department. There now, you go. You're qualified. There you go. I know, I know what shot we're looking for. Y you know what line you need to tow. So when it comes to annuities in general, there's kind of two phases and variable annuities fall in the same kind of classification here. You have an accumulation phase and then right. you have 
an income phase right or a distribution phase and in very very literal literal definitions when it comes to annuities there is a a distinction between those two phases and technically speaking with any annuity product variable annuities as well you would have the ability to sort of transition from accumulation to distribution phase but very right. very very few people do that um, right right they accumulate and then they distribute from the annuity mm -hmm. i think some of the terminology around annuities gets confusing and when you look on the web you see a lot of terms that are they're still relevant, but they're somewhat arcane. They go back to an era where annuities were very cut and dry and simple, and there were only a, a couple of different products. Those two phases that Brandon was talking about, the accumulation, and they used to call it the annuitization phase, which mm -hmm. they still do, and you can annuitize a contract, which is a entirely different different matter and applies to all annuities and we're probably not going to get into the particulars of what that means today but those terms are related to a time when there were definite periods of when you were going to turn on the income and a lot of times it was predetermined you were paying for a certain number of years or you were paying one time but then you turned on the income portion of the annuity through annuitization at some point in the future nowadays Every variable annuity that I'm aware of, since we're talking specifically about var variable annuities, um, there's no forced income. No. Like if you want to just defer and leave the money there forever, you can um, without having to do anything with it. Just keep it invested in the separate accounts. Yep. Practically speaking, some, some I believe, still have forced annuitization dates mm -hmm. that are like maybe so. five or something okay. like that. But okay. those people. Will be but practically paid. speaking, yes. yes. So yeah, if you if you research annuities on the internet, you may find discussions of accumulation phase and annuitization phase or accumulation credits and annuitization credits. Right. And it's technically true. They they do have that functionality, but very very few people ever employ those specific elements of a variable annuity. Right. Most people put money in them, they let them accumulate and then they withdraw money from their annuity to provide themselves with income. Some annuity, variable annuity contracts come with riders or have available riders that you can add to them that create a guaranteed income element to them. Yes. So depending on what has accumulated in your annuity, you may have the option to withdraw a certain percentage of this, this pseudo accumulation value that will give you a guaranteed withdrawal amount for the rest of your life, regardless right. of what happens to the actual cash value inside the annuity. Right. So that's super um, confusing, by the way. We should probably yep. break that down for people. In general, those riders are called guaranteed lifetime withdrawal benefits. Yep. Every company has a specific moniker that they attach yes. to that. But in and general, specific rules and specific rules. Yeah, very, very dependent on the company. In general, it's a, um, I hate to call it this because it sounds so shady. It's a parallel account. You have your actual Stake value. Money account. <laughs> you have your actual accumulation value of your annuity which includes what money you put into it. And then you have your income value. And the income value, many times in these riders, they're all over the map. There's a guaranteed accumulation amount. So there is a typically a guaranteed interest rate that's attached to that income bucket. And then there's a guaranteed payout percentage that's age-banded depending upon what age you are. Now, this is not annuitization. I don't want people to get confused. We talked about that. Um, that's totally different. But using the, the lifetime withdrawal benefits, the guaranteed lifetime withdrawal benefits allow people to know what their worst case scenario is for income in the future. Yep. That's basically. Now, 
they're not only available with variable annuities, those are also available with fixed annuity products as well. So I don't, yep. we're talking about variable annuities, so we have to bring it up. We're, we're yep. talking about that there. The one difference to sort of highlight on the variable annuity when it comes to this, you have cash value of the annuity. That's what you would be able to cancel the annuity and walk away with, for example. Right, right. Versus this income bucket yes. um, concept. Which is not walk away money. Nope, you can't, you can't cancel the contract. And and only derive the, the guaranteed income from that. You can only benefit from it by by the income feature. The one thing that that I think really differentiates a variable annuity here from a a fixed contract annuity is the fact that if a market correction takes place, the variable annuity is going to lose value in the cash value side of this. The fixed annuity is not. So the income bucket component may uh, enhance to some degree the value of a variable annuity in a market correction type scenario because you can still take the income feature Mm-hmm. You're, you've lost some of the actual value of the annuity. Right. That's a big selling point for variable annuity. I mean, that's that's how companies sell them. Let's talk about uh, the death benefit because that's something that okay. makes a variable. I mean, if we're actually if we're thinking about pros and cons, to me, I'll throw out the death benefit as being a pro. So variable annuities come with a death benefit guarantee of the premiums paid to the contract. The best way to explain this is with an example. Let's say that you open a variable annuity with a $500,000 payment. We have a market correction. And now you have a, a variable annuity with a cash value in it of $400,000. If you were to pass away, your beneficiary would receive a $500,000 check because the annuity is going to guarantee that your beneficiary, provided you haven't taken any money out of the, the annuity, yes, is going to receive at least the contributions that you made to it. That's right. Re- Regardless of the cash. Now, if there's a market boom and you went from 500000 to 600000 beneficiary is going to get 600000 One thing I want to mention there, because I know people will ask, well, what if I've taken money out of the contract at that point? Mm-hmm. Well, it, that's all adjusted. So yeah. obviously they're not going to give you, if, if the annuity is worth 400000 when you die and you had a $500,000 cost basis or the premium that you paid into the contract, they're not going to pay you and, and, and you had taken a $100,000 withdrawal. Well, they're not going to pay your beneficiary five hundred thousand dollars. You're going to pay them four hundred thousand dollars. So, based on it's all adjusted for withdrawals and for income. I mean, there's there's those are very particular calculations. In some some instances, we we, we should clarify that there are some companies that make a a prorated adjustment to that refunded premium. Right. So there there could be a percentage drop in what is due to the beneficiary based on the size of the withdrawal that you made. It may not be a dollar for dollar reduction. Right. Exactly. Um, so it's important to understand the, the, difference, the differences yeah. in terms of that that feature in an annuity contract when you're considering one. Right. And that's built into part of the negatives. With, yep. with So, so I'll, I'll flip back and forth between pros and cons here. But one of the cons is that you are going to pay a higher percentage of fees yeah. in a variable annuity than you would in basically any other type of annuity contract, for sure. Remember, oh probably close to 10 years ago now, mm-hmm. there was a news report about a prudential executive that had attended some investment oh, yeah. industry conference. Yeah, I do remember that. Mm-hmm. And he made a very offhand remark about the fact that you schmucks are out there groveling for like a point, point and a quarter. And we're, we're, we're getting three on, uh, right. on our annuity business that we're managing for money. Those are percentage points, people. I was uh, doing some research on something we did a little while ago uh, into 401ks. And 
you know, you see a lot of people complaining about how high the fees are in their 401k. Mm-hmm. The average 401k fee management fee, investment management fee in a 401k last year in 2022 was like 0.5%. Now, many people would say that's far too high. That's far too high. Anything, anything north of, you know, 30 basis points or 0.3% is yep. much too high. Variable annuities walking around here charging people 3%. Yeah. So you do get the benefits, the, the death benefit, um, the guaranteed living withdrawal benefits, which can add more fees actually, depending on yep. what options you choose. But I would say in my experience, um, and again, that's not something we don't personally work with variable annuities. We, we haven't yeah. in years cause we're not, we don't have securities licenses. So it's not something we offer our clients, just something we wanted to cover cause it's relevant to people who are looking at retirement. So we want you to retire confidently, which reminds me, you should visit retirewithconfidencenow.com. There are some benefits to having all of those various riders, the the death benefit rider, the yep. income rider, but they do come at a cost. Yeah. Three is is high end of the, the spectrum. Yeah. The, more commonly that I saw was like two to two and a half. There are some other things beneficial wise or, or pro column side for, for variable annuities that would not normally be a feature of just a regular fixed annuity, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The premium on a variable annuity is pretty much always flexible. That means that you have the ability to continuously make premium payments mm-hmm. to an annuity, add more to it, continue to invest in the annuity. You can so do speak. it automatically, monthly through through EFT. You can send them money whenever you feel like it generally. Now, Doesn't really the matter. way that the way that that impacts a rider like a guaranteed lifetime withdrawal benefit does vary from contract to contract. Sure. Um, sometimes you'll always benefit from more money going into the into the policy. Sometimes there's a window, uh, maybe first 10 years or something like that. You'll yeah. derive benefit from making continued contributions to it. But most fixed annuities, you get to make one payment and that's kind of it. There's not a lot of adding additional money. Some contracts, but not many. Right. Something else to be said about the the separate accounts that we mentioned earlier. So separate accounts are separate, and there's there's a there's an important distinction there when it comes to insurance company bankruptcy, so to speak. Mm. Which is that separate accounts are not subject to any claim that the insurer may have from a creditor. Right. So if you own a fixed life insurance contract, a fixed annuity cash value product, like a whole life or universal life contract. The cash value that's in those policies is part of the insurance company's general account. And if the insurer were to become insolvent or go bankrupt uh, and had creditors looking to recoup money from the insurance company, all of that is subject to creditor claim. Right. So there's a chance that the money that you have accumulated in a, a an insurance contract, a fixed annuity, a whole life policy, it may go to somebody else that's not you if the insurance company goes bankrupt. Right. We should right. be clear that the risk of that happening is extraordinarily low, but it's not zero. So that's, that is a reality of what we would call a general account asset product for an insurance company. Right. Separate accounts don't play that game. Separate accounts are your money and they are not subject to any sort of creditor claim that the insurer may have. Right. So if your insurer goes bankrupt, the money that you have in the separate account is yours. That money's not sitting on the balance sheet of the insurance company. No, for the insurance company, the, the only thing that's 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 balance sheet bookable for them is the income they get for managing the asset. Oh, one of the things, last pro, and I thought of it, and then I saw it on our list here, is when you were talking about death benefits and you were talking about beneficiaries receiving the the death benefit from the annuity contract, because annuities are contracts, 
um, and they have a beneficiary designation on them, they avoid probate. And I realize that a lot of people will say, ah, probate's not that big a deal. And you mm -hmm. guys, you advisors and insurance agents, you always make a big deal out of probate until you go through probate. Yes. And then you'll change your mind. Um, Is it, it story time? I think it's story time. Oh, go ahead. Years ago, I, I, I had a, a, a person that I was talking to about finances and insurance and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. He owned a little small business in upstate New York. And um, I had on numerous occasions brought up certain potential deficiencies that he had in his, uh, his plan when it came to transferring his money to right. someone else should he die. Right. And he kind of... Well, you could say a state plan, but he didn't like it's that word estate. Yeah, that, made, like, that was too fancy. So. Estate planning is is what what wealthy people who live in 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 gated homes and drive Bentleys have to worry about. That's not true, by the way. That's just yeah. what a lot of people think. Yes. So I got the stiff arm a lot bringing this this up to him. Yeah, and um, unfortunately, his mother passed away. She passed away rather young. She had a a a long list of of unfortunate health issues that she had been dealing with for a long long time, and she technically passed away indigent. There was a home that was worth not a whole lot of money and a couple thousand dollars in a Ziploc bag in the freezer or something like that. Right. Not, not much. Had been a, a, a Medicaid uh, beneficiary for a number of years because of her health issues that sure. led to uh, not being able to go out and work. When she died, he and his brothers were left trying to sort out what needed to be done for mom, who, again, was, was not even remotely in the, the, the world of being wealthy. And he commented to me after months of having to deal with this, that like, this is mind boggling how much work goes into settling the, the estate of somebody who really didn't have any money. And I just smugly said, yeah, now imagine if you did have stuff like a home and, and, and that was worth a whole lot more and a business and, and other assets like the ones you have. It really started the, the thought process of, of probate is, is real. Yeah. And, it, it, it theoretically bounces out there for people and they, they really don't have a good grasp of what it involves until they have to, to deal with it. Yep. And, and dealing with it isn't even always about the, the practical, okay, someone has died. How do we take the money that they have and, and put it the, where they want it to go? Right. It's also all the things that lead up to it. All of the expenses that get incurred at end of life, which can be quite substantial for a number of people, nursing homes and, and such. So probate or non-probatable assets are incredibly appreciated because when somebody has passed away, the process begins immediately to transfer the money. You go to the insurance company, let's say, the annuitant slash contract owner has passed away. They have a form, they generally want a death certificate, and then they cut a check to whomever the beneficiaries are. That's it. Yeah. And generally speaking, we've seen claims uh, processed. I've seen them paid in Again, this is after you have the, the claim form filled out, which is not complicated, very simple, mm -hmm. um, and the death certificate. So depending on where you live, sometimes that can take a little while to get here and, and probably up where you are in small towns. They, yeah. they, they're done in a couple of days usually, so it's yeah. not that complicated. And uh, you send that into the insurance company. I've seen them paid in a week. A couple of weeks is pretty, pretty typical. You just completely bypassed all of the legal wranglings of probate and got the hands and the money of the person that you wanted to have the money. So. <laughs> got the hands and the money of the person. <laughs> oh, did I say that? Sorry. You got money in the hands. My yes. my apologies. It is, it's not an a, a exclusive benefit to annuities yeah. by any, any means. Right. But as a, as a stepping aside from annuity tip, just for a second here, this is a retire with confidence tip. Um, thinking about your assets and how you can minimize probate needs is a very worthwhile practice. Absolutely. Yeah. 
It'll save you money of frustration. That's that's for sure. Some other other really quick things that are typically discussed as as benefits of variable annuities. You have a theoretical unlimited contribution capability to them. Lots of people talk about that. I can tell you in practice, insurance companies only want so much risk. So yeah. there could be a time when an insurance company says, "Yeah, you're you're done putting money in this." Right. That's generally about something above seven figures, though. At that. Yes. Yep. Yep. The the other thing that is kind of a mixed bag in terms of benefit is the fact that. Because variable annuities have generally multiple investment options Mm -hmm. inside of them, Mm -hmm. you have the option to switch investment plans without having to deal with any sort of expenses of moving money around from one place to the other. That at one time was a far larger consideration than it is today because the expense of moving from one fund to another has largely gone away. There is to some degree still an ability to move from one fund at a specific company to another fund at a specific company with less hassle than may exist if it were just a brokerage account. And an inherent advantage of being able to do that in a variable annuity is because it's tax deferred, you you don't incur any tax consequences for changing your investment options. Right. Not selling anything and paying a capital gain. Right. When thinking about the theoretical unlimited contribution limits, That can be an advantage for people who have a lot of taxable money sitting around that they want to put into a variable annuity because Mm -hmm. they basically have now moved all that money into a tax-deferred realm, um, which means they're still going to have to pay taxes on whether they use an income rider or just take withdrawals from the contract, but they're still going to have tax liability. Then, for all the years that they just leave the money sitting there, there's no liability, so don't really want to get into the tax implications in entirety with with annuities right now, but it is important to understand that distributions from annuities are generally taxable. They may not be taxable to the the full extent that you take a distribution from them, um, but they are taxable unless sitting in a Roth IRA. All right. Let's talk about some of the cons. Higher fees. Absolutely. Higher than what? Higher than most fees in most investment accounts. Higher than fixed annuity products for sure. I would say in terms of retail investment options amongst the highest fees you'll find. Yes. You just but have to, there is something that you are getting. I was going to say, the, we're not going to come out as many do and say, you should never buy a variable annuity because the fees are just too high. Well, we think you should actually evaluate what value are, re, are you receiving for that fee that you're paying? Mm-hmm. And do you mm-hmm. think it's worth it? If you yep. think it's worth it, then who cares what anyone else thinks? But don't just buy one no. because... Somebody said you should own one uh, uh, and now you have it and you're just sort of saying, well, it's in this account and it's growing with the market. Yeah. Um, that's, that's not a bad, that's not a good idea. Yeah. Generally, if you're going to pay those fees, you got to have a specific strategy behind why you're paying those fees. That's right. Exactly. The next thing on, on my list here is complexity. Now, yeah. to me, variable annuities aren't inherently more complex than other annuity products necessarily. I would say annuities... Over the 23 years I've been doing this, the complexity of annuities has increased. Here's the the inherent quandary, dilemma mm-hmm. that insurance companies face. They want to make robust products. Yes. They want to make competitive products. They want to lay options at, at your feet. The consequence of that, unintended in many cases, is it brings about a larger degree of confusion mm-hmm. and um, it, it, it kind of overwhelms people with choices. Just have a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Or this or this, but it's obviously going to come with the consequence of that, that, and that. So this is commonly where people will say, oh, they're too complicated. 
that complexity is an effort to bring lots of options to the table for a number of different circumstances that would benefit theoretically from them. Right. But understood, it, it, it does make it a very um, confusing and, and at times overwhelming subject. Let's talk about um, surrender charges because we haven't even talked about surrender charges. Yep. And yep. everyone out there is, who knows anything about variable annuities, you're not even talking about surrender charges. When you buy an annuity, most variable annuities, annuity, yeah, well, actually annuity. most annuities yep. in general, most annuities in general, variable yeah. annuities as well, are going to have a period of time that if you cancel the contract, you are going to have a deduction taken against whatever your account balance is. So the cash value, the walkaway money that we talked about earlier, not the income bucket piece. The investment industry has had this similar concept in play for a long time. It's called a contingency deferred sales charge. Yep. So there is, with most variable annuities, not an expense up front that you would pay, like a load fee to buy one. Right. But if you leave prematurely in the eyes of the insurance company, you're going to leave behind a percentage of your account balance. This is going to vary from company to company and product to product, depending on how big a percentage this is. But for example, it might be something like for the first year, it's 8% of your, your cash value. And the second year, it's 7%, then 6 and 5 and counts all the way down until the, the eighth year and then it's zero. Right. After that, you don't have to worry about it. Correct. That's very common. And I've often had people ask me like, well, why do they do that? Well, the alternative is the way that it used to work back predating Brandon and I, which was when everything was front loaded. So yep. they still charged you 7%. You just paid 7% off the top. Yep. And then the rest of the money went into the account. This way you get to keep your money. You just had them an incentive to stick around. Yes. Um, and that's, there's an acquisition cost that the companies have to pay. There's a setup cost. So it costs them a fair amount of money in the early years because <laughs> they, they, they haven't charged you enough to account for the level of insurance they're giving you yet. That's the or thing. even the cost of of acquiring you as a customer, right? Um, any of those things. So it takes so, them yeah. some time to recover that, and all they want is basically to say, "Hey, if you leave early, we want to recover yep. our a prorated amount of our cost." Of course, it comes as a list of cons because most people think it's a downside. I personally don't think it's a downside because I think if you are not committed to doing this for at least that seven-year window. So let's just say it's a seven-year surrender period. Those surrender periods can vary, by the way. They could be three yep. years. They could be 15 years and anything in between. So, but in my mind, let's say if you had a seven-year surrender period, if you're not committed to sticking with this thing for seven years, then it's not for you. You probably shouldn't do it. That's yeah. not to say something better won't come along and give you some out early. That's always possible. But in general, you should buy it with the intention that you're going to keep it for a while. Because you're buying it for these benefits. You know you're paying more for it. You know that the fees are higher. But you also know that you have certain guarantees and advantages. So mm -hmm. just be sure of it. Oh, last point that I would like to make uh, about variable annuities is that they're not only accounts or products that you can buy with actual you know, money that you write a check for. You can roll over an IRA or a 401k depending on whether you're working or not with the 401k. If you're still working, most times you can't move your money out of your 401k. Sometimes you can. But um, they are, you can move a Roth IRA to an annuity. And it's it's not that your Roth IRA is a product, your Roth IRA or your IRA or your 401k, they're just wrappers, right? So yep. not like iced tea and Snoop Dogg wrappers, but like wrappers around your, um, 
You rapper like, with the W. You like those timely references of rappers yes. that I know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they were both relevant like 30 years ago. Yeah, they're they're just packaging for your assets. So you can have a Roth IRA variable annuity and you can have a, a, a rollover IRA that goes into a variable annuity. And then the next question is always, well, why would you do that? Because you already got tax deferral in those accounts. So why would you be paying variable annuity fees for tax deferral? And my answer is all, was always, well, because of the death benefit and the income guarantees. That's why yes. you buy a variable annuity. You're not buying it for the tax deferral. So I think that was an old talking point some years ago for some reason. Back when, back when Roth IRA contributions and IRA contributions and even 401k contributions were very low for high income earners, variable annuities were, were a great alternative. In other words, if, if you have an IRA with $500,000 in it, yeah. only reason you would decide to move the assets in that IRA to a, an annuity, a variable annuity, mm -hmm. would be to benefit from an income or death benefit Absolutely. return of premium guarantee. Yep. You would not just buy a, a variable annuity. There's nothing that that variable annuity is going to bring to the table that you don't already have. Yeah by virtue of just owning an IRA. I don't even think you get it past the compliance department these days. Yeah. That's my guess. I don't know. But that's not the same. That's not the same as saying I've got $500,000 sitting in a brokerage account and I'm going to move it to a variable annuity and I don't really care about the income benefit because at that point, the the tax deferral may become a beneficial feature. That's right. Uh, turnover in a mutual fund is going to create a, a tax liability. Dividends earned on a mutual fund is going to create a, a taxable liability. Right. So, um, moving money out of a brokerage account to a variable annuity and not necessarily having an income benefit on it is not not something that that we would look at as suspiciously right as doing it with an IRA and not having an income benefit on it sure sure all right well i got one last question for you sure when in your opinion when do you think it makes sense for someone to use a variable annuity there are two possible scenarios okay one is somebody who is trying to accumulate some degree of money, mm -hmm. probably in a non-IRA situation mm -hmm. where they want to make continued contributions. So a non-qualified account. just Yep, non-qualified and grow money in a way that's not going to have a tax liability to them. Right. And probably going to be making annual contributions that would go outside what they'd be available to do in an IRA. Okay. And to refine it even further, probably somebody who is self-employed or not part of a, of a 401k plan where they would always have, or where they would also have larger contribution. Right. So maybe they want to put 40 or $50,000 a year into it. Right. right. The other scenario would be somebody who's sitting on a lump sum of money and they, they, they need some sort of, of income guarantee or they want some sort of income guarantee as part of their retirement plan because they've been listening to us for a, a little while and they've decided, hey, this, this is important. I need to start looking. Yeah, I need to pay attention to the income. Looking specifically at income features and saying, hey, that could get me a good ways towards the, 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 the ultimate place I want to be in yeah. when it comes to the, the income that this is going to derive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that, and, and that second scenario is probably 90% of the people that I would identify. Yeah. And then the other 10 may fall into that other category, probably more like 95.5. And as far as variable annuity versus something like a fixed or indexed annuity, that one's going to be very, very, very circumstantial. I think there's a lot of overlap yeah. um, on that, that second scenario. Now we get into more emotional-based questions there because it depends on what your stomach for risk is. And we don't mean risk in an academic sense. We mean 
risk in the sense of if the market drops 20%, are, are you going to chew your fingernails down to the quick? Uh, are yep. you not going to be able to sleep? Um, are you going to trigger the decision to make the wrong moves at the worst possible time when you've already lost a ton of money? Um, those are the, those are the kinds of things that we've seen people do over the years. And we would like for everyone to avoid that. Okay. Well, I think that wraps it up.